This is Rakesh Patel, and you're listening to the EB-5 Fix. Welcome to the first episode of the EB-5 Fix podcast. My name is Rakesh Patel with the Patel Law Group. I'm the managing partner. Work been working in EB-5 for a better part of seven years, representing investors all over the world, and specifically um, India. I'm joined here by my colleague, friend, and the best EB-5 deal side attorney that I know, Shay Armstrong with Bradley. Shay, welcome to the show and looking forward to doing this with you. Um, tell the listeners what this EB-5 Fix podcast is going to be all about. Yeah, thanks for cash. I'm excited. Um, yeah, so I'm project finance side. Uh, that's securities, debt, equity, and then Okresh, of course, is the EB-5 immigration specialist. And so uh, we, we work together on numerous, numerous deals over many years. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited for this, this podcast, the EB-5 Fix, because I think we're going to attack EB-5 from a bunch of different angles. Uh, from the, the uh, you know, simply the real estate finance, project finance side, uh, so that developers can tune in and listen and, and learn something. And then also from your side, the investor side. Yeah, well, I think we're going to have a lot of guests that join us over mm-hmm. the, the several weeks and months that we do this. Everybody from regional centers to developers that have had success to investors that have had success. Do you, uh, is there is there a particular subject area you think that, that uh, will interest listeners the most? You know, I, yeah, I'm excited too. We have a kind of a rock star lineup of, 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 a, of our guests and uh, anything from like legislative pathfinders to the early days of EB-5 reform uh, to economists, uh, uh, regional center represent- representatives, uh, actual real people who obtained their right. green card through EB-5, exactly. which is going to be cool. Um, my favorite, I think, you know, we were talking about it this morning, the whole fund administration thing is really new. And yeah. so I think bringing in on the specialist to do this every day is, and providing that transparency to the program, that's going to be really interesting. Yeah, I look forward to just the idea of having a, a place where we can, we, can get, we can learn more from our listeners. We can learn more from um, the guests that we have. But then we can also give our listeners the, the real um, truth behind EB-5. That's why it's called EB-5 Fix. We're going to get you all the information that you possibly could need. Um, it's an ever-changing landscape in EB-5. I mean, I think it's changed on us since we've been doing it, I don't know, 50, 60 times on how things are administered, both on the deal side and on the investor side. So I think this is going to be a great opportunity for us to learn, for, uh, for our listeners to learn. But we're going to give you guys the truth. We're going to give you guys stories. We're going to have fun on this podcast. Um, and we're going to make sure that, that we're listening to the listeners and providing the best information that we can possibly provide. Yeah, we're going to provide the good, bad, and ugly, and the beautiful. <laughs> right. In this first episode, we've actually named Back to the Future, um, and, and there's a reason for that. Yeah. Um, do you want to expound on that a little bit? Well, I think it's kind of a, another perfect storm in EB-5, and we lived this in the 2009 to 2011 when we saw the perfect storm of a somewhat of a credit freeze in the U.S. due to a downturn in the market and the Great Recession, and then... Uh, project sponsors, looking for alternative sources of, of more affordable financing. At the same time, you saw the emergence of wealth in China uh, with uh, appreciation of, of, of property values, and it just created a perfect storm in EB-5. Now we fast forward to where we are now. We right. have a new EB-5 law. We have interest rates are up. The world's educated about EB-5, especially our newer countries such as India. And so it's, it's almost like a it, we're reliving it with a, a couple different, with the fact pattern being a little different now. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting to see this because, you know, when we started, or at least where I started in EB-5, um, 
you know, we were we were we were looking at what markets were underserved, and and you know, one of the markets we identified was India. Yeah. Um, and you know, when you look at why the the market's hot all of a sudden, about six eight months ago, I started getting way more phone calls than I'd gotten in the last two or three years yeah. on EB five. And you start looking around and saying, well, what's causing this? Well, um, there's a lot of global reasons why money wants to flow to the U.S., which you know we can expound upon on on. on episodes in the future but um you know one of the things that we're seeing from the developer side is, is these interest rates as soon as they rose you know we're looking for capital that's a little bit more affordable um and that's where the foreign investors come in and then you mix that with the idea of the investments being either eight hundred thousand or, or a million and fifty thousand um that eight hundred thousand number isn't as bad as as what we saw earlier in the in the the middle side of the changes on ev5 right. so um, this has actually been a perfect storm, like you said, of, of where EB-5 is headed. Um, we're seeing more interest now than we've ever seen from investors. We're taking calls daily from investors, um, and I'm sure you're getting calls from developers on a, on a constant basis. And so we're looking forward to re-attacking this EB-5 um, issue, but doing it with the knowledge and experience and expertise that we've gained over the last seven, eight, nine years. Um, go ahead. Yeah, just to add to that, Rakesh, you know, I think also uh, as lenders get more conservative, more traditional lenders get more conservative, they're requiring additional equity to be put into projects. So maybe before you're leveraging your real estate development deal at 75%, maybe that's going to go down to 65%. Where's that extra equity going to come from that's affordable? Well, EB-5 serves that role. Yeah, it's it's kind of your bridge, whether it be bridge debt or bridge equity or whatever it may be. And and, and the great part about what Shay and I do is, is that we both understand each other's roles. Um, while I, I work with the EB-5 investor and, and we're looking at sourcing the funds and making sure they qualify, I'm also very well aware of what Shay does um, on the debt side and the equity side, just having an understanding in business and background. And so we, make, we can make sure that our, that our clients are well informed before they're, they're spending a lot of money you know, jumping into EB-5 because it's a long process. As, as I tell all of our clients, it's it's a marathon, not a race. Um, and EB-5, unfortunately, USCIS has made it a marathon, <laughs> sometimes a never-ending marathon. And so um, we're always preparing our clients and making sure that they know what's going on. And so, um, Shay, why don't you tell me um, some updates on the new laws on increases in prices and integrity measures? Yeah, so most of the EB-5 industry knows this, but it's important. Let's do, do a macro yeah. uh, overview on, sure. on this first one. Um, and so the, the, the investment minimum price went from uh, 500000 to 800000 and a targeted employment area. Right. A rural area outside a metropolitan statistical area, less than 20,000 people is a rural uh, or infrastructure is kind of a new twist to the whole, you know, uh, right. the, the whole program. That's a new part. Right. And, yeah. and it's pro- I think we all agree it's probably a good thing, right? It is. It's, it's well needed. Um, and so, you know, one thing, the t- targeted employment areas now before you could, I, I guess we can use this word that those days are over, but essentially some of these maps were gerrymandered to create targeted employment areas. <laughs> but now uh, you can use census tracts that are contiguous and adjacent to your project site uh, uh, so there is some flexibility, but it is a more conservative approach. So you're telling me downtown Manhattan or Highland Park, Texas may not qualify as a TEA? Yeah, and even Beverly Hills, oh, parts of Beverly Hills. It's amazing, isn't oh, it? Man, it's amazing be- how the system was being used before all of these measures took place. Yeah, I'm shorting uh, Beverly Hills stock right now. Yeah, <laughs> um, But yeah, so you had the rule, the, the target employment area, um, and, and then the 
outside a target employment area, which is now adjudicated by USAS and not the economist. Right. Um, the, if, if you don't qualify for one of the exemptions at the lower level, it's now 1.05 million. Right. Yeah. And that 1.05 million, and, and for everybody listening in, it's only 250,000. Is that right? 250,000 more than your TEA investment. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'd do the math. Yeah, I'd right. do the math as well. But yeah, um, it's a little bit of difference. I mean, before it was 500,000 and a million, and then it had a bigger change than that. It went up to 1.8 million, which was not sustainable, essentially killed the EB-5 program. And now we're back to probably a, a pretty good level that, that, that allows investors that are in foreign countries to invest. So um, I actually like the numbers. And I think that what I'm seeing is, is from investors is that it's a very viable number. Yeah. 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 Um, let's say, give me, so let's talk a little bit about our experiences. Because yep. we've had a lot of EB-5 experiences together in foreign mm-hmm. countries. But I want you to first talk about your first EB-5 experience and, and kind of give us a timeline of when it was actually, when you when that experience was. So this is like, I got involved in EB-5 in about 2008 when it really started to reemerge. Right. It's been around since 1990, but like we said, the perfect storm happened. In 2008, it got really popular. And so this is probably in 2011, you know, if, if I shave, I look like I'm nine years old and I was in my early, early 30s. So I was clean shaven and I, on a Thursday, I had to be at Tulsa, in Tulsa for a wedding on Monday. But on that Thursday, it was Memorial Day weekend. So it was a, that Wednesday, maybe it was Wednesday. I was working in-house. The uh, CEO said, Shay, we need you on a flight to Hong Kong uh, because there's a Chinese gambling boat leaving into the South China Sea. And there's going to be all these EB-5 finders or agents that can procure a bunch of EB-5 capital that can put it into our projects. Okay. So at the time, you know, uh, it's a lot easier to say to your wife when you don't have kids. We were newlyweds. And uh, sure, why not? Grab a backpack, throw some junk into it, and head off. And so arrive on Thursday. On Friday, I'm in a Chinese gambling boat, sick as a dog, uh, (laughs) from tossing and turning in the, the waves. And then it wasn't from gambling. Yeah, <laughs> but it, so then the next day I get on a flight. Long story short, I arrived. There were no direct flights at that time from China, right? So you had to go to Chicago or Vancouver, or Detroit, right. or LA, and uh, got you know I'm just completely delirious. Uh, and I had to get home, breakfast with the kids. And I was going to he- drive to Tulsa, four hours away from my friend's wedding. And so as I'm at, at, in those days, you had to clear customs and you actually had to have a, the physical interface with an individual. This is before the days of what do you call it? The uh, pre-check, global entry, uh, all that you, kind of global stuff. Global entry, all that yeah, new yeah. stuff. There's like five of them now. And the guy looked at me and I was like probably wearing a Beastie Boy shirt with cargo shorts and clean shaven. And he said, you went to China for 72 hours and then you were in the South China Sea. And uh, he, he, he was pretty convinced that I was a meal for some product coming to, going in some direction or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I clearly said, hey, I am immediately said, hey, I'm an EB-5 specialist. And then he looked at me, his eyes got big, and he said, those are the biggest files I've ever seen in my life, yeah. the customs official. So you have those kind of weird stories where you're coming and going. And you know, when we started, it was definitely a young man's and woman's game because yeah. uh, you're coming and going and you're spending a lot of time in coach. Uh, yeah. I couldn't do that anymore. My back would be crumpled. Yeah, so. it, it would. It would definitely be a lot more painful than what we were doing. Um, my my first experience EB five. I think this was 2015, 2016. I can't remember. Maybe late 2015, early 2016. As far as going overseas, was my partner and I, Anish Patel. We decided, hey, we're gonna we're gonna 
advertise EB5 in India. And we're going to be the first ones to do it, you know, in a wide place in Gujarat, which is where our, you know, our heritage, our foundation mm -hmm. is from. So he and I plan these big meetings in Gujarat. We have all these flyers ready to go. We've talked to some people there. We're like some, some chartered accountants and some finders. And we're like, hey, we're going to do a seminar. We're going to let everybody know how much we know about EB5 and, and can't wait to, you know, meet hundreds of people that are interested in EB5. So, you know, we fly out, we tell our wives, same thing, where you didn't have kids, I did have kids, and she was like, my wife looked at me, he goes, you're going for five days to India and you're coming back? And I said, that's the plan, so we'll see how it works out. Um, so we get to India, um, we're excited, we've got this room, it's set up, catered food, we probably have about 100 chairs, and we got some standing room only. Um, it's supposed to start like at a 1 p.m. Indian Standard Time, we figured 2 p.m. Um, and we get the we get the event started. We're waiting. For, we got people working registration for us, and I think about four people showed up. <laughs> um, and those four people, they're really interested. I don't think anybody ever hired us. Um, so then, fast forward like the next day, we have another seminar in a different location, and about eight people showed up. And we were so excited because we doubled the number of people that showed up. And what we learned from that was is the persistence that it was going to take yep. in the EB-5 world to really understand what the investors and developers were looking for. Yep. Um, we thought we could come in with a bunch of knowledge and tell everybody how smart we were. And in reality, what we needed to be doing is just listening. Um, and I think from there, you and I have shared, and we'll share further episodes, the adventures, I think, of Rakesh and Shay in, in uh, EB-5 world and, and what we've done in traveling India. But we've had a lot of success um, working with clients, uh, working with investors, and met a bunch of great people along these last six, seven years. So I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I uh -huh. am. Sure. Here's a little curveball. Uh -huh. And we won't name project sponsors, locations, uh -huh. name of projects. We met uh, on very interesting, our first deal is very interesting, to say oh, the least. Oh, yeah. And this is how we met. Yeah. And it involved a dead deal, potential motorcycle gang uh, shootout in front of a potential restaurant, maybe? EB5, a potential EB5 investment for investors. Yeah, I was. that was an amazing <laughs> day experience. So real quick, Shay, I was doing my first EB5 deal somebody introduced me to. And like Shay said, we won't name names, but... Um, we were excited about it. We thought we're gonna get some Chinese investors in. I had not met Shay in person yet, but I'd met him on the phone. And um, Shay would, just happened to be in China for this particular project in the morning that he was supposed to meet with investors. Um, the deal went sideways in the US from all the media coverage you could possibly want. And Shay, what, how did you handle that in China? Well, I said, well, it's 10 a.m. We have at least an hour and a half to happy hour. What are we doing here? We don't have a project to sell. And the controversy in the U.S. involving this project involved gun violence, which is a very serious issue here. But in China, they definitely um, – that makes the media coverage in China be – because they don't have those issues in China. And so that just simply killed our deal. And I enjoyed my 36 hours in China and got in the next flight home. And I had never met Shay. And then after that, I think we, we said, we, we emailed each other and said, I, I think I asked you, but what was that experience like? What in the hell did you do there? And then from there, Shay and I decided, you know, we could probably, 
you know, help each other out by working both deal side and investor side. And, and from there formed what we now have been worked on, you know, dozens of projects right. together and, and hundreds of investors together. So um, EB-5 is, is a, in an interesting world. You never know who you're going to meet. You don't know the possibilities are out there. And that's part of the reason why we're doing this, because we want investors and developers to know that, hey, there's there you could be the next one and you don't even know it yet. Yeah. Um, but it's it's one of those things where when we started this podcast and we had this idea, you know, we were researching EB5 podcasts, we were researching, you know, what's out there. And all we were hearing was folks, um, whether it be attorneys or whether it be developers or whether it be um, deal side or immigration attorneys, all they were talking about is just the rules. Yep. Um, and we're going to do that. We're going to do a lot of that, but we're not going to do it just by ourselves. We're going to bring the people in that make the rules. We're going to bring the people in that, that adjudicate the rules, and we're going to bring the people in that have to play by the rules. Um, and that's going to be fun. And you know, I think we've both been expert witnesses <clears throat> in litigation cases. Hey, why did EB-5 deals go bad? You know, I mean, I think it's important to be transparent and honest about this program like any other program. Yeah. Um, we've seen a lot of fraud in EB-5. Yep. Um, thankfully, neither one of us have ever been involved in any cases that that, that existed. Um, knock on wood, that's right. But um, we have seen a lot of fraud in EB-5, which is why we've had to have all these measures. Um, Shay, what do you expect to see in the next year or two in, in EB-5 as far as, um, well, just tell me, what do you expect to see? Yeah, so I just got back from a great conference. It was okay. called AFIRE in D.C. It's, it's the Association for an Investment in Real Estate. I highly recommend it. It was just great content and there's a, a a prestigious economist who who gave a presentation and his he said number two things really the fed is oh usually overreacts during downturns and then is always late to the party so he says despite the inflationary rate for the past three months being annualized at essentially zero percent the we'll probably see an increase uh in interest rates in the, ne in the next six months to a year right well, that's just, you know, that's just going to strengthen and embolden the EB-5 program. And so I think you're going to see another wave that we saw in 2017, 2016, 2011, uh, with a focus on the Indian markets. I think Bangladesh, Nepal, uh, I think you're going to see, uh, which we'll talk about with the three buckets here shortly, I think you're going to see an opportunity for China and Vietnam to come back on the, on, on the, on the radar for EB-5. Um, but I'm expecting a 24-month at the least run on EB-5. Yeah, I think I think I tend to agree with that. I mean, we're seeing it just talking to investors on a daily basis. Um, you know, I've got a call right, you know, after this. You know, EB-5 is one of those interesting cases where, you know, it's investors that want to come from, from overseas to the U.S., but there's a lot of, most of the cases we see are, are either H-1Bs or L-1s that are in the U.S. or children that are students of, of investors overseas. And I think um, you're just going to see a lot more of that. I think what people are doing is noticing that, okay, we can have the money here, whether it be gifted or, you know, a proper type of loan. Um, and I think the information over the last five, six, seven years, as you know, um, has traveled so fast that EB-5 is not a, not a uh, scary subject anymore. Right. It's not foreign to, to most investors. People have a good knowledge of it. I mean, there were, when we were going to India, I mean, we're seeing EB-5 billboards. Um, we would do EB-5 seminars in like Ahmedabad and there's three others going on. Um, so it's not anything that's new. What I think now is people are more willing to take action. 
they're well educated about it. Um, and I think these next two or three years, um, I think it's really important for investors to get all the information they possibly can, at least from my perspective, um, and, and make sure they qualify. Yeah. Um, and we can go over qualification once again in future episodes, but really right now just asking the right questions is a really big deal um, and listening to these investors because they have a lot of knowledge, more than they did seven, eight, 10, 12 years ago for sure. Yeah. Um, so t- talk about, you just talked, you just mentioned the three buckets um, uh, of TEA rules. Why don't you talk a little bit about how that's, cha- what, what's the changes now? Yeah, so I was surprised for you too, Rakesh. Uh, Uh-oh. Uh, our director of programming, David, over here is, I, when I get excited, I start banging stuff and my feet start tapping, like Tom Arnold. <laughs> so he's like, stop tapping your feet. Huh? But, uh, so I'll try to be calm here. I gotta, okay, so what, what date do you see on this memo? Uh, let's see, what do you have here? August 27, 2015. Who's it from? It's uh, from Shay Armstrong and Paul Kanitra to Kathy Newbel and Francis Cisna. So Kathy Newbel Kavarik was the, the uh, well, I, I, I'm going to mess this terminology up. It's real. We're not making this up. <laughs> the chief legal counsel for um, uh, the Judiciary Committee mm-hmm. at the time, uh, where Grassley was, was, was really pushing for reforms to the EB-5 program. And there was a lot of back and forth, a lot of rural versus urban arguments. Um, and, and then Francis Cisna later became the, uh, well, Kathy became the chief counsel at USCIS. And Francis Cisna was appointed by Trump and became the director of USCIS. And our, and the group I was representing was the More American Job Alliance. And our, now go to page two, Rakesh. Uh-huh. Okay. Here. Okay. And at the bottom, see, I'm tapping again, David. At the bottom, <laughs> um, you're going to see the, what, what do you see? You have a bucket. Are you talking about the bucket one or bucket one? This a? is our proposal to Grassley's. I mean, reforms. you've got a minimum investment of eight hundred thousand. That's pretty good. That's pretty impressive. And this was in uh, August of twenty fifteen. Yeah, the maximum investment we had was one point two five. So we did better than that. You one, were just off. I mean, off. what were you doing? I know. So, so you're telling me that in twenty fifteen you had a proposal, and you had already kind of outlined why this proposal needed to be the way it is. So after a quarter million dollars and six years, we got a line into the bill or into the new law. That's impressive. Okay. That's the, that's the smartest thing I've ever heard you do. Because we wanted the rural bucket. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so we, the idea was to level the playing field so not all EB-5 monies. Historically, EB-5 monies have gone into gateway cities. Right. And, and so we really wanted to level the playing field. And if you're a Senator Grassley, the chairman at the time of the, of the Judiciary Committee, U.S. Judiciary Committee, and you represent Kansas, was that Kansas? No, no, Iowa, excuse Iowa. me, sorry. Yeah. Iowa, you weren't getting any EB-5 monies at that time. Or your Senator Leahy, who was the minority leader, who was aligned with Grassley, uh, and you represent, I believe, Vermont, mm-hmm. you know, other than that one ski resort we won't talk about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you were not getting much EB-5. And so now under the new laws, you have a 20% bucket or carve out for rural projects. Allocation, essentially. Right, a priority processing. Priority, right. If that's the right word, immigration-wise. Right. Um, 2% for infrastructure, and then uh, 2% for high, high unemployment um, um, areas, okay? And what's interesting, if I read my notes correctly, because I was looking at this this morning. Okay, number one, the unused reserves are carried over to the next year. Yeah, so they have an unused reserve category now. So if you look it up online, there's actually, really? yeah, it'll tell you, is it current? Is it not current? Like a good hint yeah. into the details of immigration. But there is a 
true unreserved category now. So there's unreserved and reserved. So they have different priority dates, which is interesting, which is actually probably good. It gives us more information as to how this is going to move forward. Uh, okay, I didn't know that. Sorry so, about that. Um, and, and I was also reading by a, a bunch of experts who are aligned on this that, okay, so the res unused reserve carry may be applied to post-enactment investors. So this could basically bring China and Vietnam back on the map. So would this mean that like you would have like a if this was carried out and it was only applied to post enactment investors, yes. you could have Chinese jumping their own Chinese, which is interesting. It, it, I, it's one of those things that I don't know the USCIS has completely thought right, through, right. which is normal. Um, but if that were to happen, I think that there may be a lot of issues. We're not current there yet, so we'll see. Yeah, but yeah. So yeah, those are the three buckets. Um, okay. Uh, thanks to me and, and the more American Jobs <laughs> Alliance. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but um, if we want to talk, about, let's talk about integrity measures real quick. Yeah, please I, do. And we're not going to go in the weeds on this. But I think it's really interesting. Like I said when we started, I think the fund, third-party fund administrator. I heard a presentation on EB5, and you know, I really enjoyed it because they said when the government went to the industry and said, "What would have prevented maybe a lot of these frauds?" And they're like, "Just a third-party fund administrator, just some transparency in the program." Right, and maybe on the lesser end, audited financials. So the new rule is in the absence of audited financial statements, you will have to have a third-party fund administrator, which I think you're going to see the fund administration option instead of the audited financial because it just markets better abroad. Have you seen that fund administration process yet, or have, we, have yeah. you have? Yeah. Like who? Give me an example of who would be a third-party fund administrator. So I, you know, there's a lot of good ones out there. But right now, I'm working with a really fascinating group. It's called EB5 Proxy. Okay. Sam Newbold and Connor Irish. And they use blockchain, because this is way above my pay grade, but I'm going to take a stab sure. at it. This is going to be horrible. So they use blockchain to provide, combined with the fund administration platform, to provide real-time updating of NCE funds being injected to the JCE, uploading construction costs, draw requests from the project. Really? And so you can log on as an investor in China or wherever you are in the world and see real-time progress. It also ha happens to have, well, that's going to, and it has an algor algorithm, mm -hmm. if I said it right? Algorithm. Yeah, we're really getting yeah, out, yeah, out, yeah. outside my scope here. Yeah. Uh, and what it does is it, it converts those, those uh, proceeds or the cost, excuse me, into real-time job creation reporting. So wow. You, isn't that cool? Yeah. And that, 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 that's great for the investor. Yeah. Because the problem with the invest, you know, you, you hear it all the time. I hear it all the time. Where where are my funds? Have they used it all? It's not really for me to answer. They have to get to hold of the developer. They have to go through the regional center. They're calling the deal side attorney, saying what's going on. But really, this kind of eliminates all of that. Yeah. No, it's is, it's super cool. Um, <clears throat> algorithm. I'm gonna say that again. Can you spell it? No. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but there's a lot of good options out there. But I think not. This is great for the investor. It's great for the industry. It's great for the project sponsors because it's it minimizes their exposure as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Is there anything else on the integrity measures you wanted to kind of note? Or uh, there's going to be an integrity fund. Um, they're going to the USCIS is going to take some of these monies from the annual RC filings and from the investor filings and create uh, an, an integrity fund. And, Part of that will result in more periodic site visits. Okay. You know, I, that's I, we were talking about like what would my be my dream job, and I'm like I would love to be a USCIS like site like a visit sites 
and like I don't want to carry a gun, but like a baton and a badge. Visiting sites would just be. We need to talk to you about your dream jobs. We need to talk off okay. air about we'll that. We'll talk about yeah. that later. Okay, we're gonna make you. We're gonna make you shoot a little bit higher. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's talk a little bit. I'll talk a little bit about um, just EB five. Yeah. Who are the players, and who does it benefit? Why do we even do EB five? Yeah. You know, what, what's the purpose? You know, it, it, reality EB five was created to, to uh, in nineteen ninety, I believe, um, really just as a job creation mechanism because of unemployment issues in the U.S. Um, and so really EB-5 was created to benefit what I like to say is three main players. There's a lot of tertiary players like yeah. the regional centers and the economists and, and the attorneys, <laughs> uh, me and you, um, that we've all benefited. But really it was it was done to benefit the U.S. as a whole, the government, um, in, in helping get rid of unemployment or assist in getting rid of unemployment. That's the basis of it is, is um, really just high unemployment areas and how can we um, get more people more jobs. It was there for the the, the developer to bring um, to increase development, bring foreign funds into the U.S. Whether it be a little bit cheaper or more creative, whether it be through debt or equity. So, if you're a developer, this really gave um, um, help to you as far as being able to bring funds into the U.S. And and then the third part, the third party that it really um, ultimately benefits is the investor. Sure. Um, and, you know, and our goal is obviously, and even Shay's goal, while he develop, represents the developer, our ultimate goal is to make sure that investor gets their green card. And while we can't control how much money they're making off of a deal, we can't control uh, the terms of the deal or when they're going to get paid because that's truly an investment, 100% at-risk investment, just like if Shay and I invested um, in a deal together. Um, the investor is really the main piece of all of this because they're the ones putting the most at risk. They're the ones that are leaving their home countries. They're the ones that are going to a new place and trusting people like myself and Shay and the regional center and, and the U.S. government in this process. So the one thing that we always do is, is the number one focus is, is what gets that investor their green card. Yep. Um, and, and while we can't control processing times, we can't control how fast immigration works, um, you know, there have been measures that have been taken, lawsuits in the past, um, that have actually helped by a lot of good folks out there that are representing investors or, or developers um, because the time timelines have gotten too long. Um, that's really the three main players, the U.S. government or the U.S. as a whole, the, the developer and the investor. That's why we do EB-5. And one thing I would just add from a, <clears throat> excuse me, from a project-centric perspective, if you're if you're let's, and let's say it's a real estate development deal, if I'm a real estate developer and I bring all this capital and I take care and I do the right thing, and I try uh, I try to do the right thing, and these investors get green cards, you have high net worth individuals. Who are they going to invest in f for the next project? That's right. Non EB five. That's right. So you kind of create your own natural like private equity fund. And we've seen it happen. We've seen it happen. We've had we've had clients that this has actually worked out for really well where. They're getting more investments and, and they're doing more projects, creating more jobs, and that's outside of the EB-5 realm, um, which is just, which kind of makes you, you feel good because it really just goes full circle. And even going further, further beyond that, I mean, these these individuals or families that come to the U.S. they need every service. That's right. They need accountants. They need lawyers. They need realtors. They need all of that. And so while we're not, you know, any of those but lawyers, we try to help our clients get connected with all of them. That's right. Um, and, and, you know, I've, I've introduced clients to CPAs. I'm sure you've done the same thing, um, you know, 
different funds or, or different places to park money. Because most investors that are coming here to the U.S., and I can't speak to all of them, but most of them, they're not giving all of their life savings away. They have additional funds that they need to do things with. Um, and so I think the best part of EB-5 for me is, is, is watching that family actually get to the U.S. in that first email that, that they send and they say, hey, I've entered here. And yeah. I think while you can't read into the excitement of an email, you can feel the excitement of that email. Um, and that makes you feel really good. I think that's, that's why I do it. Why do you do it? Yeah, no, I think it's, it's it, I mean, it's, it's so um, cheesy to say win, 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 you know, but yeah. it, God, it really is, right? It's, it's, it really provides an, an alternative finance, affordable financing um, option for developers and other project sponsors. Uh, it really brings, you know, despite what your politics are, it really brings really good people to the U.S. that need services that really will add to our um, um, society. You know, it's right. a value add to our society. You know, we, we have I have one. It's actually his nephews that are coming over. He already is a, a citizen here, but he's bringing his nephews over from Africa, and he's an orthodontist, and he's using the injection of EB five capital to create additional. Um, uh, dental clinics, uh, or I should say, it's really a dental service organization. Sure, um, a DSO. Uh, but how is he serving the needs of, of of our society? He's opening up inner city clinics, or I should say, dental practices uh, that offer orthodontics for a much more affordable price to kids that would never have the chance to get this. And so you hear about these types of stories, and it's just that is a win win. And it's it's it's. It's fortunate that you're saying that because what we actually hear about are the stories that don't work. Right. Um, you know, we have a bunch of success stories. You know, we have we have you know another developer who's had we've done you've done work for and I've done work for the investors that um, built out their project probably did it ahead of time multifamily um, and and is redeploying funds and you don't get to hear about that where yeah. you're actually doing what you said doing it in the right amount of time and the investors are getting here on their green card and they're making the investors money. And now they're going on to new projects because the investors have told their friends. And, and these are not, you know, 300 investor projects. These are five, 10, 15 investor projects which don't get talked about enough. They, we always hear about these large projects in Manhattan or large projects in downtown Dallas or San Francisco or wherever it may be. But, you know, nobody talks about that, that dental clinic that's being built right. or the, the retirement facility that's sure. being built down the street and that may only bring in eight or ten investors. Um, and so we like to, to call ourselves, we can do the bigger projects. We love the smaller projects. We do. Yeah. Um, I think we've specialized in that. We've done a really good job, um, I think, just talking to each other, um, really getting each other's insights. And I don't know that you see that with deal side and immigration attorneys a lot. Yeah, you know, I mean, hey, I love big deals too, but it, it, it I would call them non-institutional deals. Right. They're, they're big for my sponsors too, right? If I build that $12 million La Quinta, <clears throat> that's a life changer. That's right. And that's a lot of stress on the line. Um, and, and so, no, I mean, I, I think that you know EB five it gets a bad rap sometimes. It does, and because I have as many deals on my desk historically, because in the end of the day I do a lot of traditional real estate finance deals. Sure. I see as many dead deals there as I do with EB five, if not even more, because maybe the EB five investors are more educated and more hypersensitive to finding good deals and clean deals, right. conservative deals. I think maybe I have more dead deals, and you know, and just because a deal on the traditional finance side. But just because a deal dies doesn't mean there's fraud. That's right. It, it can happen. 
Um, it, you know, it happens every day. Like I said, this is EB five is a traditional real estate, most of the time real estate deal um, with an immigration benefit mm -hmm. if designed correctly and used properly. That's what I tell clients. Um, last thing is 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 you know we want to tell you guys what to expect as as we move forward. We're going to do multiple episodes. We're going to have a lot of different guests. Um, we're going to be asking questions. We're going to tell you guys the truth, and we're going to keep you updated on all the EB five work that is going on we also want to hear from you if you guys see yeah. this link up and you guys see it on YouTube or LinkedIn or wherever you see it we want to know what questions you have because we'll address them um, we'll add our information phone numbers and emails um, at the bottom of, uh, of the uh, podcast so you have all of our information but we do want to hear from you but Shay tell us about tell, tell the listeners about some of the plans that we have of the type of guests and the folks that we're planning on bringing in yeah and so I also think we should broadcast uh, from like Cayman and, and Las Vegas. I'm tell my <laughs> wife that we need to be on site at these. I think I, I think back here on this. Map, oh, there we, we go. We need to start putting pins on everywhere we want to travel to. And I think what we'll do every this next episode, we'll make sure that we have pins available, and you and I will start putting pins on everywhere we've done EB five. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and then everywhere we're going to broadcast, we'll have, we'll have to tell our wives it's part of the podcast. It was required. Is there like EB five interest in the south of Spain? I, I, you know. Let's take a trip. Okay. We'll figure it Let's out. Let's figure it out. Yeah. New markets. <laughs> New markets, absolutely. No, I'm excited. And it, to Rakesh's point, I think we want our listeners to have feedback on what type of guests you want as well. Yeah. What do you want to hear about? And in a future podcast, we're going to deliver, you know, we're going to try to keep it tranched, essentially no more than maybe 20 minutes. We don't want to ramble on for an hour and a half. We want to get the information that you need so you can make a decision, whether it's an investment decision or a real estate or, uh, excuse me, a project finance decision yeah we plan on having regional centers on um, uh, we plan on having investors that have had gotten their green card through the process developers that have actually used the process um, legislative folks that have helped create law um, so we're, we're planning on having a lot of different folks um, and we'll just keep stay tuned we'll get you informed on what's going on and you know we look forward to our next podcast in, awesome. in a couple of weeks thank you Shay for joining us yeah, thank um, you all. thanks EB5 fix we'll see you on the next episode thank you